It's so good to be in the house of God today. I've been out the last couple of weeks. The first week that I was out, my family, Bumi and I and our three children were on vacation. How many of you know it's good to get away and be refreshed? Last week I was in Orlando, Florida at the General Council for the Assemblies of God. We are a part of a larger body um, that uh, has been so important for um, those who have been called to serve God in the context of the church. We're a Pentecostal body. We believe in the full gospel. We believe in the, the whole canon, the whole of scripture. Amen. And I believe that these days are requiring that we make it even more clearly who we are, what we believe, just as my aunt, Sister Esther, has just shared with us today and and how our young ladies are going to be gathering this next Saturday centered around uh, fellowship with one another and strong leaders and the word of God. Amen. Amen. I want to um, thank Teen Challenge and I know we have Teen Challenge students that are part of the Ministry Institute that have been serving here for the last two months. Teen Challenge, wherever you are, I'd like for you to stand up so we can just recognize you and say thank you for all that you have been doing. We had a couple here and others serving in the parking lot and in different areas of the church. I want to say thank you. Um, Our partnership with Teen Challenge Ministry Institute, which is a ministry that you can support financially should God place that upon your heart, has continued to be a part of what we do here at the mission. So they come here every Sunday at 7 a.m., and they help with whatever's needed, and they plug into different areas of ministry. And it's been such a great blessing. It's, it's been such an encouragement to our volunteer workforce that has been setting up throughout these whole 18 months of the pandemic, from chairs to sound equipment to canopies and, and you name it, everything else that needs to take place. You guys have been such a blessing. Under the leadership of our ushers ministry, um, we cannot have done it without you guys. Our check-in and and registration team, you guys have been a blessing, making it possible for us to come together and worship the Lord. Let's give all of those who have been serving selflessly a great big round of applause and a thank you. Praise God. Praise God. As Pastor Boomy mentioned, we're finishing up our, our leadership summit this Wednesday. We're looking forward. If you missed the leadership summit these last four weeks, because of um, circumstances that were beyond your control. We're going to be having these same leadership trainings take place this fall. It'll look a little differently than our four-week leadership summit, but they'll be in the form of classes. So those leaders that have not been able to participate, maybe a spouse, maybe both couples because of newborn children, maybe one has been coming, whatever the case may be, don't worry, you're going to be able to connect with us and what Mission Ebenezer is doing here in preparing and equipping our leaders for ministry and service. Praise the Lord. Now, I would like to turn our attention to the Word of God found in Matthew chapter 6. The Word of God found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Today, we're going to continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the second chapter that Jesus brings to the fore through his teachings of the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. 
and the kingdom of God was communicated by Matthew, instead of using the word kingdom of God, he said kingdom of heaven. Because the Jews had a very, very high reverence and respect for the name of God. And sometimes they didn't use the word God. They, they would use other words or they would actually go like this, the kingdom of. And they would pause. And that pause meant that there was, there was a reverence to the name of God or Jehovah or the Tetragrammaton, the four Hebrew consonants that represent Jehovah or Yahweh. They're the same. Jehovah and Yahweh come from the same word um, when it refers to the name of God. Are you tracking with me so far? It's characterized by the Hebrew letters Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. Yod is simply the Y or the J, and then the Hey, all right, is a, a silent consonant. And then the vav is either v or w, okay, in terms of our pronunciation. And then it, it, it finishes with another hey, all right? And that's part of the Hebrew um, aleph bet. Everybody say aleph bet. Hebrew aleph bet is different from the Greek alphabet or the Latin alphabet that we have, all right? In English, we call it alphabet, but we're borrowing from some of the most ancient, some of the most historic, rudimentary languages and, and communication linguistic forms of humankind. And so when we have the English translation and we do our best to understand some of the ancient texts, some of the old texts, the New Testament being close to 2,000 years old and some of the Old Testament texts more than two or 3,000 years Old. Can you believe how old and how ancient the Word of God is? Isn't that powerful, though, when you think about that? And that's why it brings so many questions, so many issues, and so many discussions on subjects, topics, things that we call sin that are very, very important for us as the church to understand so that we can rightly discern what we believe and how we're supposed to practice our faith in God, in Jesus. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Today I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And the version that I'm reading from was part of a translation committee that got to the root or the heart of the both Hebrew and Greek translations into English in 1984. And this, of course, is building on many other English translations, but allowing scholars to go deeper in understanding what is the original essence, what is the original meaning, and the significance for the Holy Scriptures. Somebody say the Holy Scriptures. Holy meaning, meaning, meaning sacred or set apart or belonging to God. Praise the Lord. Verse 19. Do not. Store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths can't eat through your clothes and rust cannot destroy. 
or break down. You'll understand what these things mean as we read and as we continue to study. And where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Let's read that again. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Can I hear an amen? Those who have had corrective lens surgeries and cataract surgeries, y'all know especially what we're talking about. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Somebody say, you cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We love you with all of our hearts. Lord, as we process through the word of God, we ask that you would give us understanding so that that understanding would allow us to express ourselves in a way, Lord Jesus, that is faithful to you and that is true to your essence and your spirit that you have placed in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. May we, the body of Christ, Lord Jesus, live out the kingdom of God in faithfulness and truth unto you. Father, I pray that you would open our minds, you'd open our hearts, and that you'd open our spiritual eyes that we would see beautiful things in your law today. We pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, and everybody said, amen. Give, your, give the Lord a hand of praise today, Mission Ebenezer. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Verse 19 says, do not treasure. It comes from the, 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 the root word. Thesaurus. Thesaurus in English. Everybody say thesaurus. Thesaurus and the Spanish word tesoro. Somebody go, ah, come from the same word. And it's the same word as treasure. So it's a double emphatic here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, when Matthew says, through the words of Jesus, the red letters of Jesus do not treasure for yourselves treasures, because that's the, the noun form of the word tesoro on earth. Do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth, watch this, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What is it saying here? It's saying... We as believers who are called to the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of God, must not live our lives according to materialistic things, the things of this earth, and the things that shall pass away, including our flesh. 
So when it says right here the things of earth versus the things of heaven, we need to understand that the things of heaven truly are of the spiritual nature. Can I hear an amen? Things of the spiritual nature. Those are things that will go with us when we go to be with the Lord. And when Jesus Christ comes back from his church, the Bible says those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Amen. And then he will come and meet the church and we will meet him in the air. That's what the scripture says according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so what Jesus is getting at right here is that we learn to start understanding the separation between the spirit and the material. The spirit and the things of the flesh, even. The the things of the spirit and the things related to money. And we're going to unpack some of these things in just a minute. So, he says, don't store up treasures for yourself here. And he's not saying that you shouldn't own a home. He's not, Jesus is not saying you should not own a vehicle. Jesus is not saying you should not own clothing. That's not what is being said right here. What it is said is that we need to understand the root and the essence of what he is speaking to. And what he is speaking to is saying that we must prioritize the spiritual things of God, the spiritual things of the kingdom of God, so that we can have a right understanding and a balance when it comes to how we love God and how that love for God is demonstrated here on the earth with one another with one another somebody say with one another so if I'm a an image bearer of God if you're an image bearer of God if the Holy Spirit lives in you and if God gave you life that means he blew breath into your lungs and gave you life just like when the baby comes out of the womb and for a while the doctors got to spank the little baby on the behind or now they they rub the baby less violent right nonetheless they want to hear the baby go at which point the very presence and breath of God is being breathed as a gift of life into that being into that young child that 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 body that inanimate body then what comes to life the body is now animated it is animated it now receives encouragement from God the Spanish word for animado is encouraged to animate so God encourages that that fleshly body that thing that it that is our flesh and it is in fact our job and responsibility for the rest of our earthly life to understand how we're supposed to be fleshly still in nature and live it out in the the predicament of the flesh we're governed by this earth and this body this physical body And God is calling us to navigate that expression because sometimes isn't it difficult to live a sinless life because of the flesh and the body that we have? And so God wants us to have the right understanding where the word of God transforms our mind and our body and our spirit. In other words, we're coming under discipline as the scripture being the authority over our lives. And that's why 
the essence of the scripture is that we learn to remove ourselves from that place of being at odds with God or, or being, you know, um, living a life of sin and establishing a right relationship with God the Father. Everybody go like this. With God the Father, right? And in understanding that dynamic in the relationship with God the Father, the Word of God, and the, the Holy Spirit are what God has given to us to understand that. So that we can remove sin and so that God's Son, Jesus Christ, who took on our flesh, our likeness, God's likeness, He's our brother. Let me say that again to the west side. Jesus of Nazareth was and is our brother by virtue of flesh. Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ or the Messiah, is our father by virtue of spirit. Can I hear an amen, east side? So that God loved us so much that he gave his son, Jesus himself, God himself, became flesh, became a man, so that we would have an example of how we are meant to work out the, the, the dynamics of life on this earth. This earth that, that has thus far only been, has been the only place where there's been any resemblance of life in the universe. There is no other evidence of life forms outside of earth, outside of this planet, outside of this, this globe, outside of this body that God created from his imagination, from his heart, from his mind. And that's a whole different scientific study that can demonstrate there is no evidence of anything or any, the ability for uh, sustaining life any other place except for the environment that God has created here for us to have life and to live that life in relationship with the Father and with one another. That's why Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40 are so significant in importance when they came to Jesus and said, what, is, what must we do? Jesus says the, the first and greatest commandment is to love God and the second is like it, love one another as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, when it says right here that we, we are not to treasure up treasures on earth where moth and rust or anything can break down and be destroyed or be stolen or robbed from. But watch this. But store up, but treasure up, the Greek word, for yourselves. Treasures in heaven. Somebody say Amen. It's going to get good right now. It's going to get really, really good right now, people of God. But treasure up for yourself where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if you love God and your treasure is with God, then guess what? God is going to demonstrate to us what loving God actually means. Yes, loving God means we come together and we worship him. Yes, loving God means that we come to learn the Word of God and that we come to place the Word of God as an authority over our life, as a guide for faith and practice. Amen? 
And there are so many other things connected to what it means to love God, like obedience. And I I believe obedience is going to be a topic that we're going to be teaching and preaching on here in the very near future. What does it mean to be obedient to God? And what does it mean to be disobedient? Wouldn't that be a, a great sermon series to focus on for all of us? So God has given us things for us to understand what loving God means and what it looks like. But as I've been studying scripture and thinking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the body of Christ. Somebody say the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is where we as as believers, we who put our trust and faith in Jesus, it's where we come together and are shaped according to who God has called us to. And God has not only called us to him, but he's called us to one another. I think this, I don't know if we're understanding. The kingdom of heaven is not just an expression between a relationship between us and God. They're in heaven, this invisible God. The kingdom of heaven that God has given to us to understand that is both here and not yet fully until Jesus' second coming is fully expressed in the context of relationship and love for one another within the body of Christ. Come on, people of God, put your hands together right there. Go ahead. So in other words, the relationships through the spirit, the the spiritual, the Christ-like, the family of Christ. Somebody say family of Christ. The family of Christ dynamic is such that God has called us to be brothers and sisters to one another. No matter our earthly hierarchical systems. No matter our structures in the church, no matter our structures within family, no matter whether father or mother, no matter whether son or daughter, grandfather, grandson, granddaughter, grandmother, auntie, first cousin, first removed, so on and so forth, all these different titles and relationship components and dynamics Um, are very important in the earthly sense, but in the spiritual sense, God is truly calling us to understand and discover, maybe for, uh, for some of us, for the very first time, what it truly means to be brothers and sisters in the family of Christ. And some of us are saying, yeah, I've always understood what that meant to be a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. Well, then why is it so difficult and so hard for us in the body of Christ, in the church, to treat one another and to love one another as such? I got I to come on from the back window over here. Come on, Pastor Manuel. I hear you, baby. So in other words, I'm looking at my life. And the way that I've been living out the kingdom of heaven and God is demonstrating to me my shortfall. He's demonstrating to me my failures. Sometimes we have to be 
we have to remove ourselves to look back in on the way things are and the way things are, are becoming. And then we have to ask the hard questions. Where have I gone wrong? Where have we gone wrong? And how do we fix this? And how do we get to where God is calling us to truly be? Because as I look around the tent, as I, as I look over around the church over the last two years, and I see what God is doing, as I look at the body of Christ nationally and globally, it, it pains me to no end to see and understand that there are people who are supposed to be a part of this great body who are no longer. And we as Christians have to ask ourselves the hard questions why that is. What went wrong? What was the sin that created the chasm, the hurt, the pain, the unsafe place of worship? What was it that broke trust? What was it that caused hurt, that caused pain? Yes, it is sin. We can always point back to sin. But unless we identify the sin or the root cause of the injury, then guess what? We cannot address the, the root cause of the injury. You cannot go and heal something that is, that is hurt. You cannot go and fix something that is broken unless we get a proper diagnosis from the doctor and the spiritual doctor of, of what that is in the body of Christ that is causing so much pain for that member of the body, so much for it so that the member of the body feels that it can no longer be a part of the body and so it self-amputates or it is amputated by the body itself. So we ask ourselves the greater, deeper questions of what it means to store up treasures in heaven and what it means to love God and not money. Knowing that we cannot serve two masters. Our, re our sanctuary is renovated and it is brand new. Praise God. We can't take that to heaven with us. But it was symbolic and it represents something important. But that is not the end all of what God has called us to do or who God has called us to be. It's simply giving us an aesthetically pleasing edifice to gather together to discover and to study and to realize and to repent and come into a greater understanding of who we are as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and in the family of God. But if we're making decisions towards about one another, or towards one another or others that are being determined and dictated on the premise of something other than a love for God and a love for one another, then that means that we are out of line with the will of God according to the kingdom of God. Here in the scripture where it says you cannot serve two masters, it's saying, it says, it comes from the Greek word doulos. Everybody say doulos. And doulos is where we, we get the word servant or slave. The Greek word is douleuen. Douleuen. Douleuen means to be enslaved. So in other words, we cannot allow ourselves to be enslaved to two masters. Both God and money. But if we're play, placing too much of an emphasis 
on money or mammon or the things of this earth, even structures and hierarchical systems and even organizational systems and things that we believe are supposed to be the priority or the principle, then what it means is that our sight is out of focus. It means our priority systems are out of alignment. And God is calling us to a place of repentance and a greater place of understanding so that we can see truly what God needs us to go back to and to look at and to discover and then to say, I have sinned and we have sinned. And Father God, how do we get it right? And how can we make it right? Because it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. What what is brought to mind for me is the ministry of Luke 15. The parable of the lost son. The parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin. If we're going to truly store up treasures in heaven, it ain't going to be because we're following all these other guidelines and rules and regulations. It's because we're loving God and we're loving one another. And in understanding what it means to love God and one another, those are the treasures that we're going to be taking us to, with us to heaven while preaching the gospel and saving those who are, who are called and who God is, is, is calling unto himself. We cannot enslave ourselves to two masters. If we're going to live out the ministry of what it means to be the ecclesia, and ecclesia is the Greek word for the word church or Spanish word iglesia, which simply means, very basic, the gathering or the assembling of God's people. But if the gathering or the assembling of God's people is not in alignment with the greater kingdom principles that Jesus is calling us to, then guess what? We are self-amputating as we go, not realizing the harm and the hurt that we're doing to our own body. Jesus' body, the body of Christ, the church. If this is resonating with the spirit in you, Raise your hand. Well, then guess what? Get ready for the hard work that's going to come along with it. I was in Orlando and had, I told my wife, life-changing conversations with pastors from all around the country. African-American pastors leading congregations in Ohio. Hispanic American pastors leading churches in New York City. Caucasian American pastors who are leading congregations and districts in rural Indiana. On the topic of who we are as the church, on the heels of questions like, How did we, the church, get to where we are today? And what have been some of the mistakes that we have been making along the way? My African-American brother, Pastor Darnell Williams, he's the head of the National Black Fellowship in the Assemblies of God. 
I said, Pastor, how did you navigate some of the social issues related to the church and racial injustice in your own context? And he said, Pastor, we just had to create safe places for people to come together and talk in a safe, safe environment where everybody felt safe that needed to talk through and work through some things. And I said, man, we failed in that. We've done things and we tried to do things that were not beneficial, helpful, successful even. And we're still trying to learn. We're still trying to heal. Our body is still reeling. Our church is still coming through this. And we're pressing forward. And God's got a calling and God's got a vision for us, but it has not been easy. Church, I'm learning. Your pastor is learning. What God has called us to here, hang tight, hang tight, hang tight. What God wants to do here in Mission Ebenezer, it's got to start right here with me. It's got to start with between my wife and I before we as a people can understand fully and completely who we are and what God has called us to be. As I, as I think about the difficulty that it's been for many of our families, our friends, our church members, our church leaders, our pastoral staff to feel comfortable in this, in this setting, my heart breaks when I look back on all of my own personal mistakes, when I look back on all of our organizational mistakes and missteps, when I look back on decisions that have been made all because we all are justified to do things and to have to make decisions. But if those decisions and those actions are being made according to the love of money, then we will be enslaved to that and not enslaved to God or enslaved to one another. Being enslaved or being called to serve, because you can say be servant or slave. You could say servitude or you can say slavery, because that's, that's what it means in Greek. Or you could use the word, if you want this word, in service to one another or in cooperation with one another, then guess what? We have to then say, for us, ourselves, Lord, what do we have to change? Instead of trying to be right, what do we have to do to learn to listen? to humble ourselves to God and to one another. That's what it means to serve God. What is the definition of money? When I think about money or mammon or material, I'm reminded that money can't buy or build people. Money can't buy or build trust within a relationship. 
Money can't buy your way into heaven. Only love for God and faith in Christ Jesus can. So if the greatest thing that God gave us was our faith in Jesus Christ and our salvation in our eternal life and to be born again is only achieved by faith in Jesus Christ and our love for God, then what makes us think that any decision outside of loving God and one another is going to ever do any good to get us into heaven, to give us any crowns, any jewels on our crowns, or do anything here on earth to promote or to advance the kingdom of God? What does that say? It means doing everything that we can to stop. When there's a breach, when there's a break, when there's a hurt, when there's a pain, you stop everything at that moment and you deal with that and that brother or sister to get to the root and to the heart of that matter until the the problem or the matter, the hurt or the sin has been fixed. It goes right along what Jesus said. If you have aught with the brother, go and deal with that aught before you come to the altar because you will not receive forgiveness of sins from God until you have forgiveness from your brother or your sister. So going back to the biblical definition and the theology of of what God is calling us to is a greater and deeper understanding that's going to open up our minds and open up our hearts to a greater humility towards God and to one another. That's the only way. That's the only way. My, go ahead. Give God a hand of praise. Come on, Mission Ebenezer. Come on. That's the only way my marriage to Boomi will work. How many times has she have, she's had to forgive me? The only way we can move together in our marriage is if we get to the root and the cause of every matter, every situation, before we even take another step. I can't even think about taking another step. I can't even think about an alternative uh, move or action or subsequent thing that will take place if I have not gotten to the root of the, the issue between my wife and I. That's how much I love her. She knows. If, and I know when she's mad at me. I know when she's mad at me, and when I know she's upset with me, or that means I've hurt her, or I've done something that has caused that pain in her, and she knows me, I, I won't move on until we address it, we talk about it, we cry about it, we pray about it, and then we change it. So I don't hurt my baby girl again. When I think about my children, I cannot fathom, I cannot think of ever having a strained or broken relationship with Elisha, Judah, or Lola. I cannot even dream. Just, brothers and sisters, just go with me for a moment. Just listen, please. Put down, everybody pay attention and listen. Everybody, everybody. Hey, all conversations, all conversations got to stop right now. Just listen to me. If we're talking, that means we're not listening to the word of God. Everybody. Listen. Listen up. If a relationship that I have with my son, Elisha, Judah, or my daughter, Lola, is not whole and healthy, it's not giving of love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control, I got to get to the heart of that matter because I cannot fathom not having a loving relationship with my children. Put your, just put all your feelings aside. Put your past hurts aside right now. Put the, the wound that somebody did towards you right now, just put it aside. Lay down your armor right now. Lay down your weapons, church. Just lay it down. Everybody, put your hands out in front of us. Come on, let's put our hands and let's lay down our weapons. Put it right there on the altar of Christ. That is your life. Lay it down right there. Go ahead. Lay it down. And listen to what God is saying to us. I cannot fathom not having a relationship with my children. That means I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the heart of whatever that thing is so that I can have that God-fearing, healthy, loving, happy, joyful relationship with my children. So much so that this baby hummingbird wants to have, wants to be a part of what God is doing right here. That's why I'm going to miss going, when we go inside, I'm going to miss all the, 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 the sounds of, of nature from being out here in these last 18 months. Watch this. So if we truly call ourselves the, the family of God, if we're truly called according to the blood of Jesus and are a part of his family and we're brothers and sisters in Christ, then how come? Then how come? How come we don't stop and drop everything to go and address that pain, that hurt, that offense, that brokenness, that offense? To address it right then and there. Some of us have been carrying stuff for 10 years, 15, 26 years, maybe a month. And what does it mean? It means that we are loving money and not God. What do you mean, pastor? My, my emotions or my personhood is just as good and it's different from loving God. Well, they hurt me first. Yes. But God is giving you the message now clearly. God is speaking to us so that we can receive him and stop pointing to or, or looking to others to do the things that God is calling you into obedience to do. But if the same message is coming to all of us, then all of us here are being equipped to handle the things the way God is calling us to handle these things. Because the understanding will be here. And then we take that understanding and we live with that. And then we, be, we start to truly reflect the kingdom of God. So watch this. We as the church, we're meant to leave the 99. And we're, we're meant to go and find the one. Who is that one for you? Who is that one for us? Put your weapons down. No, don't, don't pick the weapon back up. Nope. The hard questions make us want to go back and pick the weapon up. Some of us, we want to pick up the shield and say, no, no, I, I got to protect. I got to put the wall back up. Others of us, we say, you know, I got to go and get the sword because ain't nobody going to hurt me. I'm, a, I'm grabbing the sword. Put, no, put the weapons down. All of us, let's put our weapons down right now. Put our weapons down right now. Put our weapons down. Do you believe, with God's help, that the Lord can restore the body of Christ that is first Mission Ebenezer? 
Do you believe it? Look around right now and, and look around and see who's, who's not here and who's supposed to be here. Look around right now. Look, go ahead, turn your heads, church. Who is not here that has been a part of our church body that God has called? Somebody say called. Called to be a part of this body. That's the one. Is it a friend? That's the one. Is it a family member? That's the one. Is it a blood relative? That's the one. Is it a spouse of someone that is here? That's the one. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're here and you're a, a, it's a miracle that you're still here. Maybe you're the one. And if you're the one, I need to know that you're the one. I need to know. We need to know that you're the one so that we can come together and we can heal and we can love one another so God can work. God's called us to something very special. But unless we're obedient, he's going to keep holding on to it before he releases it to us. Who are we going to serve? What are we going to serve? I can come up with every justification. I'm good when it comes to having an answer. So I've been told. And an explanation. And a reason. And a justification. I'm done with it. I confess it before you. I'm done with it. Because I know it starts here with me. And God is calling us to a greater obedience to him and to one another.